Hi there, you're listening to Permission to Pivot. This is your host, Kayla McCall. Today we're talking to Jackie Turner, and she is talking about her relationship with church. And she was a minister for many, many years, and her and her husband were becoming more and more involved in the LGBTQ plus community. And she just talks about how that shifted her relationship with the church she'd been with for a very long time. This was such an interesting episode for me because I don't have a strong relationship with religion. I feel like I'm spiritual, but for me, um, I've always, I've always been a little conflicted. I feel like I'm becoming more at peace with it as I get older, but it was really great to hear from her and hear her relationship with church and religion and how she is just spreading such a beautiful message. And she recently wrote a book that dives more into this that I think is just going to be such an interesting read. So I really hope that you guys enjoy this episode. It was very enlightening for me and I hope it is for you as well. Hi, Jackie. How are you? Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yes. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm very excited for our conversation today, and I'm looking forward to hearing all about you and the pivots you've made through your life. So thanks again. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to jump right into my icebreaker question, which is when you were little and people would ask you, what are you going to be when you grow up? What did you tell them? Well, I, I want to assure you that I grew up in a good family before I tell you the answer, <laughs> <laughs> because what I wanted to be when I grew up was an orphan. And oh, okay. All right. And the reason it's not because I had a bad family, but because if you think about the best books like Annie or Anne of Green Gables or Boxcar Children, the orphans had all the best adventures. Mm-hmm. And so from an early age, I just wanted to have adventures. So I thought mm-hmm. if I could just be an orphan, I could have adventures. I could be off in the world just doing whatever it is that I want. <laughs> I could be independent, nobody telling me what to do. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. really funny. I feel like maybe this is even more of a tell to maybe the childhood you had, because I think when you have something really great, you yeah. think, you know what I mean? You're more comfortable being like, well, I wish I had this crazy <laughs> chaos that happens over here with, you know, the boxcar kids and, and little orphan Annie and all that kind of stuff that all seems a lot more exciting and appealing. Yes, Cause I didn't yeah. actually know any real orphans. So it, wouldn't mm-hmm. have, it probably would have dampered the whole idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So as you were growing up and navigating childhood and early adult life, what were some of the adventures that you brought into your life? to keep Mm. things exciting? Well, people always ask me because I'm a writer, they say, when did you start writing? And the thing is, I was what you would call reluctant reader. So I wasn't one of those kids that started reading early. My best friend introduced me to horse books at some point. And then I was like, hey, this is great. And so I started loving reading. But what I did was I did plays from the time I was about five. Mm -hmm. I would create these little plays for the neighborhood kids and I would charge them a nickel to come see my plays. So I've always been a storyteller and not really a writer, but someone who I did theater in high school. I did theater in college. I just loved acting and creating, um, you know, characters and so that was always super fun for me. 
Yeah. Yeah. And entertaining other people. Yes. Yeah. Extrovert. Extrovert. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I love that. Um, I think it's such a always such a creative outlet. And I feel like being an author, yeah, doesn't necessarily mean that you always love to sit down by yourself with your notepad and just write stuff all day long. No, no. And um, interestingly, I did write off and on my whole life, but it wasn't until I turned 50 that I had the emotional maturity or whatever it took to rewrite and edit and rewrite and edit the way you actually have to do if you're going to do a book. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, I'm a late bloomer when it comes to actually writing a book. Yeah. So what was going on prior to deciding to sit down and write a book? What What were some of the things that you were going through in your life? Well, I, um, after college, I actually had a double degree in um, social work, but I didn't end up going into either of those things, Mm -hmm. um, theater or social work. I became a campus minister and it was an organization that I'd been a part of in college and I just loved it so much. So I did that off and on my entire adult life, um, but I I also got a master's in marriage and family therapy in there. Mm-hmm. So I alternated between campus ministry and doing private practice and working for hospice and doing trauma work with women. So, uh, you know, every four years I would kind of get bored and do something mm-hmm. new. <laughs> but yeah. the campus ministry part was always sort of in there, whether I was um, volunteering or working, you know, as a job. Yeah. So what prompted you to go down the road of taking on the undertaking of writing a book? Well, that takes us to my pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time I was very, uh, I was a part of this really big campus organization and I was uh, respected in it to the where I could do national leadership training for the staff and it was wonderful. Um, I was respected in the Christian community. I spoke at women's groups. So I had grain, gained a lot of trust and um, respect. And then what happened was uh, my husband and I eventually became advocates in the LGBTQIA community. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't an issue at first, but then the organization decided to put a policy in place where you had to sign it and say that marriage was only between a man and a woman. And I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> to sign something that seems like, um, I don't know, a secondary doctrinal issue, if you know mm-hmm. those words. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it wasn't. And uh, so I had to make a choice and I spent a couple of years trying to live in that place of just walking on eggshells and, um, agreeing, you know, theoretically with the policy in that I wouldn't try to convince anybody I wouldn't give talks about it or anything Mm -hmm. like that. But that was really hard. And then, um, and then my husband ended up doing a a gay wedding. And then I was invited to leave the organization. (laughs) Oh, that must have been so hard. It was so hard because it had been my family since I was 18. Yeah. So whenever you're fired from a church or an organization like that, it's not just you're being fired from a job. You're losing your fellowship. You're losing your friends. You're losing your spiritual community. So it was huge for me Mm -hmm. and quite disorienting. Um, 
And so I was thinking about pivoting, you know, how sometimes we choose our pivots. Mm -hmm. We, one of your, the people you interviewed said, you know, she left a big job to travel. And another Mm -hmm. one said, you know, they had a nine to five, but they decided to be an entrepreneur, right? So Mm -hmm. some of our pivots we choose, but sometimes pivots are thrust upon us. Mm -hmm. So maybe Mm -hmm. your spouse decides they don't want to be married anymore, or maybe you get a disease, or maybe you're gay and you haven't come out of the closet and someone outs you, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we are just thrust into a pivot. And that's what happened to me. Mm-hmm. And um, when I write in in the book that I wrote most recently, I found that these are very normal stages of spiritual development. Mm-hmm. We call the pivot hitting the wall. So something happens that sort of blows open your idea of God. Something happens that makes you question everything you formerly believed. Mm-hmm. And it's very disorienting. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that. And I feel like it's very interesting. And I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad to have you here talking about this, because I feel like in the climate of the world right now, I feel like there's a lot of people that feel like religion is playing an interesting role within politics. And I feel, and I feel like it's unfortunate, you know, I have my parents are, are Catholics and you know, they're great people and they feel like their religion's almost getting torn apart because it's being used in this way. And then for you to have that happen to you, where you are on your own journey with your religion and you have your relationship with God. And then to be told that that's not welcome here because you choose to love everybody, which I feel like that's what God told us to do anyways. But, you know, there's, everyone has a, a different agenda of, you know, their reasons why they're, they're pushing religion or, or pushing people out of religion. Um, so I feel like it's, it's such an important thing to talk about. And I love talking with people that have been very much in that community and been a part of that. And, I mean, you put your love and work and so much of your life into it. Yeah. And um, it is happening around the world and it's happening largely because of politics. I believe, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, certain parts of the Christian fundamentalist group have decided to align themselves with power instead Mm -hmm. of love, which is dangerous throughout history. (laughs) Mm-hmm. We don't need, we don't need any more Constantine messing up the church, but yeah. Um, yeah. And so there are so many people right now who are going through deconstruction of their faith and trying to figure out, well, I still love God. I still love Jesus. What am I supposed to do with that? Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to be when I'm not welcome in these spaces or my friends aren't welcome? And so uh, it, it's a very natural phase of spiritual development to live in this sort of disorientation where there's bitterness and sadness and anger. But if you can, if you can get the support you need through that, um, then it leads to a more open and lovely time where God is actually bigger and um, your spiritual life is actually deeper. So if you can hang in there, it can be beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, left that organization what what were kind of what were things like for you and your husband then did you have people to lean on that were also leaving or 
Yeah, it, it took a while to find those people. That was one of our biggest questions. Like, how do you find your people? Because they're not hanging out in the places that you used to frequent. So <laughs> it was hard. But what we did at first was we were like, well, if I'm willing to get fired about this, I should, I should try to help in some way. Mm -hmm. So we started an organization called Shalom, which besides peace also means unity and completeness and you know, that idea that everyone is welcome. And so we did a ministry to people who had been hurt by the church who were on what we call our rainbow family. And we did that for three years. And it was beautiful because those people had no judgment toward us. And they mm -hmm. had been through way worse things than we had been through. And so it's a very soft place for us to land in that community and very loving people. And we healed, you know, it took three years, but we started to heal. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's amazing that you created that. Is that something that's still ongoing right now? No, after three years, it was amazing the things that we saw. And I think because developmentally, when people come out, especially at a later date, when they're older, they're kind of stuck. And so what we saw happen with our group was that some people were got married, we had a couple weddings, um, some some people adopted children, some people bought houses, and they were able to move forward in mm -hmm. their, you know, maturation and their normal stages of development. And um, it was great to be a witness and to be part of that and to support it. So we're all still friends, we all still hang out and mm -hmm. um, love each other, but we don't, they didn't feel the need to keep going in that group because they had moved on. Yeah. Yeah. What an amazing place you created, though, for those people and for you guys at that phase of your life. Yeah, it helped a lot. And I also want to bring up the discipline of spiritual direction. I'm not sure if you've heard of it or if your listeners have, but it's an ancient practice where someone who's spiritually mature sits with you and just listens to you for an hour and asks good questions or notices themes that you're bringing up. And they're like a companion on your spiritual journey. So going through that, having a spiritual director was super helpful for me. Mm -hmm. And that was another support that I just was so grateful for. Yeah, that sounds really helpful to have somebody to kind of talk through a lot of those thoughts and feelings with, but somebody that I'm sure has your best interest in mind and just wants mm -hmm. to really help you throughout that journey. So mm -hmm. where did that, where did that point leave you after that three years of having that group that supported each other and everybody kind of went, went on their way and felt healed. And, um, yeah, where did that leave you? Well, what happens when you get out of stage four and move into stage five, and those are all listed in the book, but you have, it's like you have a bigger basket and you're holding this basket and suddenly you can see God in more places. You realize God is present in everyone you can enjoy things that might have been off the table in the past, like a roomie poem or yoga. Mm -hmm. <laughs> things that, you know, were, were not allowed in the past are now like, oh, this is actually a wonderful thing to experience. Mm -hmm. So I started doing those kinds of spiritual um, practices, um, silence and solitude and Lectio Divina and all kinds that are also in the book. But it's important to have spiritual practices that nurture your inner self. Mm -hmm. And um, I had gone to training to be a spiritual director before this happened, thankfully. And so I ended up being a, a, a trainer of spiritual direction. Mm -hmm. 
So now I run this group for Nevada called Christian Formation and Direction Ministry, where we train spiritual directors to listen to people well. And it's part of a, a bigger uh, organization. There are about six different chapters in different states. So it's really fun to be a part of that and to have been invited in and now to, to actually run it. It's just just a joy and a pleasure. That's that's really amazing because I feel like now more than ever, people need that. They need to feel accepted in whatever phase they are in their spirituality, like you said, like the people that are going through the confusion, feeling of loss, feeling of not belonging somewhere to have places like that and people like that to lean on. I I can only imagine how much that is helpful to, to a big group. Yeah. And now because of the internet and Zoom and the pandemic, we, you know, you can find spiritual directors online. Mm -hmm. And if you go to Spiritual Direction International, um, you know, there's thousands of directors, no matter where you live. But if you can't find one, there are several that are online. And um, you just meet once a week for an hour and you talk about your spiritual journey. And they're not there to give you advice. They're just there to listen and encourage you. So it's a pretty cool thing. That's really neat. That's really neat. So then where did did the book come into, was this before being a part of this group that you decided to start writing the book? Was this something you decided to start after or? Well, what happened was, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Enneagram, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's a personality thing, but it's way deeper than that. Yeah. Uh, And I had taken it as part of my spiritual direction training. And I realized that I'm on the Enneagram, I'm a two, which is a helper, someone that always wants to help. But if you study it, there's like a place you go when you're happy and a place you go when you're stressed. And the place you go when a two is happy is to a four, which is this creative person, you know, the theater person. And I realized I hadn't been doing theater since my kids grew. We used to do theater together, community theater, but Mm. it it takes a lot of time. So Mm -hmm. I stopped. And um, I thought, well, I can't do theater anymore. What can I do that's creative? Because I hadn't been doing that. And I realized I could write. And that, <laughs> and that's when I started writing. And I started writing young adult middle grade fiction. So I actually mm-hmm. have, that was when I was 50. And I have 13 or 14 of those books up. So oh, that's amazing. So this book is my first nonfiction book. Okay. Um, but I just, I love the things I was learning. Um, And I wanted other people to have the words for their experience, because that's what I was given when I was reading different books, like, oh, that's what's happening to me. Now I have words for my experience. I wanted people to have that experience about their spiritual disorientation and how to get through it. And so I kind of have a gift of taking difficult concepts and making them understandable. Mm-hmm. And that's what this book is. I tell stories about my life. I I put spiritual practices in it. I explain the stages of spiritual development. And I just really wanted to give that to the world because we're all going through this crazy disorientation and mm-hmm. deconstruction. And when the book came out, I was so excited because it's really pretty and <laughs> It the is cover, really pretty. The cover's gorgeous. And on the cover, there are these tumbled rocks. And the book is called Tumbled People. And I talked about how um, I started trying to do rock tumbling. And I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever tried that with your kids. I or haven't. 
<laughs> it's harder than it looks. <laughs> it takes like a month. You have to put these different levels of sand and then you have to rinse it and it's disgusting and gooey. And then you put in another level of sand and you do it for another couple of weeks. But at the end, you get these gorgeous rocks. And mm -hmm. I thought that was a perfect analogy of our world and the things that we go through. We get tumbled. We get tumbled and tumbled and tumbled. And we can cooperate with that process and become beautiful, soft, loving rocks. Mm -hmm. Or we can resist it and become bitter, angry people. Mm -hmm. And I figure our world has enough bitter, angry people and we need more soft, beautiful rocks. So yes. that's the analogy. Yeah, and I feel like you writing this book is just such a great way for you to reach an even bigger audience and make just, you know, cause there's only enough hours in the day to be able to meet with people one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> so for you to be able to, you know, spread those words far and wide, I think is really amazing. Yeah. And I started eight years ago on a blog. It's called spiritual practices 101 and it's on WordPress. And I, I really think it's important to find practices that work for you. So I try to make easy on-ramp practices on this blog, but to me, everything's a spiritual practice. My mm -hmm. husband's like, you see everything as a spiritual practice. I'm like, yeah, pretty much I do. So <laughs> <laughs> taking a walk can be one, you know, just um, um, sitting and looking at a tree can be one if you're doing it with intention to, mm -hmm. to listen um, to the divine and to have your heart open, then everything is a spiritual practice. So I had enough information in that blog that the writing the book was pretty easy. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's writing a book seems like such a wild undertaking, but I, I have to imagine that if you have something that you're very passionate about and something that you've been talking about for years and years and years and writing about, mm. and maybe it didn't seem as overwhelming to put it all together. Yeah, it really didn't. And I, I'm a big reader. So I, I'm always quoting all these people that I've read, like, I don't have any new ideas. I'm just good at like taking other people's good ideas mm -hmm. and sort of synthesizing them down into, into my writing. And that was really fun because I got to share my favorite books and mm -hmm. I read nonfiction all the time. I read fiction as well, but every morning I'm, I read, you know, some nonfiction, something spiritual that's going to help encourage me for the day. And I got to put a lot of that into the book. So it was fun. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes people can get caught up with the idea of, well, this has been done already, or mm -hmm. someone's already said this, but I, I think it's important to note that people need to hear things so many times for them to actually stick and become something that's like tangible, something that you feel like you can tackle. So I feel like you know, when we can repurpose an amazing message and get it out in a different way, like you're doing, I feel like, again, religion sometimes can feel, and I'm saying this from personal experience, it can feel like a very tricky place. It can feel like a place of judgment and things like that. But to be able to talk to somebody like yourself that has been through it and mm -hmm. has come out on the other side without any anger or resentment, but being able to open yourself up to other ideas and to spread that love to other people so that hopefully they don't have to feel what you felt when you were told, yeah, you, you don't have a place here anymore. Mm, yeah. 
Yeah, it is important because really there are no new ideas. We just mm -hmm. repurpose them, as you said, for the for the time that we're in. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Phyllis Tickle, she's an author and she wrote a book and she talked about, I love this idea. Every 500 years, God throws a garage sale for religion and gets rid of all the calcification that has come onto the church, right? Mm -hmm. And shakes off so we can start over. And if you look at history, she goes through that and, and explains it. But, um, you know, we're in a shaking. We're in. I a, was going to say, are we coming up yeah, on that? <laughs> we're in that now. I hope we're in the so. middle. Right. Okay. We got to get rid of some of this. Yeah. Crap, you know? Yeah. Like you it's, said, just so much hate and anger. And it's yeah. just, it's heartbreaking. And people like you are just such a light. And I just, I'm very excited to explore your book. And I love the idea of, of not having to, like choose one thing, but being able to really focus on like spirituality and being loving and kind and all the things that you can practice to just be that better person in the world. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, I mean, Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God and love other people. Mm -hmm. And really, if you spend your whole life doing that, everything else would be okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Everything else will just fall into place. And yeah. Why? Well, of course so, it's not easy, right? No, it's not always easy. And, and like you said, it's a practice, you know, you have to be mindful of taking those steps to practice your spirituality and practice spreading love and kindness and, and making that choice, you know, every day. And I think that, um, I think that it gets easier the more that you practice. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, there's always going to be people that trigger you, like often family members. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, you're stuck with them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Everyone else, you can be grace filled toward. And then you go to a family gathering and you're like, uh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's good. It's good to keep being aware of that, being mindful, yeah. as you said. Yep. Well, and I feel like uh, I read one of Renee Brown's books and she had mentioned something about like how dangerous it is to dehumanize each other mm. and that in our climate right now, that's a lot of what's been happening. And that was a huge eye opener for me because, you know, I had family, family members that, you know, leaned really extremely one way. And I was just getting kind of that tunnel vision on like, well, that's just the person you are and mm. being able to like peel back that layer and remind myself that, you know, people can feel certain ways about things, but we all still are people. And yes. I feel like that approach has been able to help me a lot during all of this, um, you know, kind of unrest <laughs> that I feel like has been happening yes. over the past handful of years. And then you are bringing light into a dark place. If you can live in that place, right? You are bringing love and light into a place. And I feel like if we all do that, even though it might be our little drop, it's, it can turn into an ocean mm -hmm. of love and mm -hmm. unity. And that's the ultimate goal is to, to unity, to find connection with each other and with God. And, and, uh, you know, it's a life work. We might not see it in our lifetime, but we can do our part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. What advice would you give to somebody out there that is thinking about making some kind of change or, um, you know, moving more towards finding joy? What advice would you give? Oh, that's a good one. I think I would encourage them to find a support system for any big change. If they can, you know, if they can't, uh, 
often online you can find almost anything right mm -hmm. there's a facebook group for everything but um or a hashtag on tiktok you know you can find yeah. your people these days which yeah. is great but i would get a support system i would find a spiritual director if it's a spiritual change just so that you don't go into it alone a lot of and all of my young adult fiction and middle grade fiction i believe that if we work together in community we can change the world it's not like something we need to do alone and i feel that way about us too like we need people around us that love us and support us and encourage us because changes are hard and it's, it's rough out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that was a big motivation of doing this podcast was that I was hoping that people can hear others making changes and, you know, maybe not being happy at one point in their life and making a change to bring more joy. And just knowing that you're never alone in these kind of decisions. Like you said, there's there's always someone else that has been there before you and has gone through what you're going through. And there's, you know, you just have to find your people to lean on. And I think that's so important. Yeah. And I think that's a wonderful part of social media. I know that mm -hmm. there's terrible parts of social media as well, mm -hmm. but one of the wonderful parts is finding your people. And especially with this young generation, like my granddaughter, who's, um, pronouns are they and them you know mm -hmm. she has found she's 11 but she's found her people um and she's very encouraged and comfortable with that and mm -hmm. I don't think that would have been true in my generation it would have been really hard to find your people yeah yeah that could have been yeah very lonely very lonely and so yeah there's definitely a good good aspects of social media. You just have to look for them, <laughs> look for the good, <laughs> tune the out good. the negative. Um, and yeah, you can find your people for sure. Well, I so much appreciate having you here. Do you have any last words for anybody that you want to share before we go? I, I want to just say, don't give up. You know, you're not alone. This is not a unique experience, whatever it is you're going through. There are people out there to love and support you and encourage you. And um, you can always reach out to me. I'm on almost all social media. Just my name is spelled funny. It's J-A-C-C-I, JackieTurner.com is my website. Jackie Turner is on Twitter and TikTok and Instagram. I'm just easy to find. And I would love to encourage and support whatever pivot you are pivoting because it's hard. Thank you so much. And I will definitely be linking all of that and your book on the show notes of this. And so Thank people you. want to get connected to you. I will make it so easy for them. <laughs> and I just so much appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, Kayla. It's wonderful. All right. Bye, Jackie. Bye.